This is Gateway City Sports. This is the Derek King Sports Show. Cardinals, Blues, Mizzou Athletics, Chiefs. He has it covered. The Derek King Sports Show. Only on Gateway City Sports. Good morning, everybody. So, a couple of things. Number one, it's really disgusting outside. It's raining. It's overcast. It's nice and actually decently warm. So, that's a plus. But here's the thing. We're going to get into the Cardinals stuff here in a minute. There's a couple of things that I want to kind of cover here real quick and I want to talk about. Uh First things first, the Battle Hawks event that happened over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to attend. I deeply apologize for that. Uh, unfortunately, just like it is this time of year, every single year, I always manage to get terrible allergies and some kind of a sickness and a cold, and obviously I did not want to expose anybody to that, considering the circumstances that surround where we're at in society today. So, that out of the way, there was also an event uh, at Circa Pub and Grill. It was a former Big Red event, and unfortunately, I did not get to attend that either. Uh, still was not feeling well even on Sunday, too. I'm thankfully mostly recovered now, so that's great. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jim Hart was there, uh, Johnny Rowland, Mel Gray, you know, Jackie Smith, the usual suspects, right? So anytime you guys ever have an opportunity to go to one of those events and see some of those guys, uh, and even the big red, uh, cheerleading, uh, squad you know portions of them show up periodically throughout those events too as well so it's always a really good really fun time so and next time they have an event like that be sure to go check it out it's always a lot of fun so hey by the way how do you like the the hat this is my st louis browns this is what they call the heritage series or the legacy series i can't remember which but this is from new era as you can see um yeah, it's, it's a real nice hat. So that's my St. Louis Browns hat. Um, so before we get into the Cardinals talk, one last thing that I want to do is that we all need a mode of transportation, right? We all need a vehicle, a reliable vehicle, a good vehicle. How many times do you go and you buy a vehicle over your life or over your uh, time and, and say, man, this just wasn't any good? This wasn't really what I wanted. It wasn't really good. Uh, maybe the service wasn't all that good. Uh, you know, there's a million different things at a million different places that can happen. But the one thing I want to tell you about is our featured sponsor this week, and that's Fifth Street Motors. You guys can go over to Fifth Street Motors. They're right over there in Pacific. And you guys can see right down here below me their business card there. Go over and check them out. They're over there on Facebook too as well. We have a link up over on gatewaycitysports.com. Go over and check out Fifth Street Motors. If you're in the market for a good quality used car, that's the place that you want to go out there in Pacific. They're centrally located there in Pacific. Give them a call. 573-259-1306.
make sure that you give them a call and you can talk with them over there and they will be more than happy to talk with you about the car that you want or the car that you need because it changes for all of us. As we get older, we have kids and everything else. Those things are very, very important to take into account. So make sure you give them a call, 573-259-1306. That's Fifth Street Motors. That's 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri, 630 on today's show. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! All right. So here's the deal. I'm the type of person where I'm not afraid to eat a little bit of crow. When it comes time to eat a little bit of crow, I am not the type of person to where I won't do it. Carlos Martinez had a good game. Good for him. He had himself a good game. He went seven plus innings and he had himself a good game. Spun a good one. Two hits, only one earned run and two walks. He had four strikeouts. That's great. That's awesome. I'm still not on the Carlos Martinez train. He's to this. That's the problem I have with Martinez. It's always been the problem that I've had with Martinez. I saw a tweet from uh, one of my followers that came out yesterday uh, as the game was closing up and finishing. Where are all the Carlos Martinez haters now? I don't think there's really anybody that hates Carlos Martinez. Let's be very clear about that. There's nobody, nobody hates him. We all feel like we should be getting more out of him for what we're paying him. It seems like his head is in other places. Obviously, we got the um, the higher on the peak version of Carlos Martinez, which is great. That's awesome. But there and again, what's going to happen next time he comes out? I, what I see from Carlos, this is just from my perspective, is when he has a bad outing, I should rephrase that, that when he has a bad outing, it seems to me like he has a lot of trouble with pitch location and he overthrows the ball. What I mean by overthrow, he's trying to get more out of it. He's trying to put more zip on his fastball. He's trying to get more cut on another pitch of some kind. It just seems like he's overthrowing it. He's in and out of the strike zone. He's all over the place. Yesterday, it seemed like he took a little bit off. And he had more success. What a shock. Maybe that's something they're working on with him. I would like to see that. I would like that to be the case. But we're going to continue to keep watching him and paying very close attention as to whether or not that's going to continue to be the case. We will have to see. Another thing that I wanted to get at today, too, with some of this other stuff is some of the past games. If you guys watched last week's show, we had a really great show last week, had a really great turnout. And I thank everybody for that and appreciate it. Um, once again, if it wasn't for you guys out there helping share and get this stuff out there, it wouldn't be out there. We wouldn't be talking about baseball. We wouldn't be talking about football. We wouldn't be talking about anything else. Okay. So that's thanks to you guys. That's really, you know, that's how we've had the success that we've had, and I appreciate that very much. But going back to the Cardinals thing, let's start talking about this game that they played just here the other day. It's good. They're finally above 500. They're 12 and 11, barely above 500, but they're above 500. They're playing the Phillies. They really need to pick up. If they play today, 
if they end up playing today, because man, it, it really looks bad. I don't know if it's going to let up, but the plan is, is they're going to play today. So that's at 645 first pitch. Then they have another game tomorrow against the Phillies to finish out the four game stand at 12:15 tomorrow. My biggest concern out of this entire last stretch, if you guys tuned into the last show, was I said I would like to see them pick up the majority off of the Phillies and out of the Nationals. Hey, if they picked up the majority of them, that would be great. Didn't have a lot of success. Let's go back to that stand. Go back to that stand against the Nationals, Phillies, Brewers, Nationals. Okay, so let's just start really kind of with the Phillies and where we were at there. They only picked up one game in that three-game stand against the Phillies. Nine to two, the Cardinals lost. Nine to two, the Cardinals won. Nine to four, and the Cardinals lost two to nothing to the Phillies. Then against the stand against the Nationals, the Cardinals won twelve to five. Cardinals lost two to three, three to two, I should say. The Cardinals lost one to nothing. And then going into the stand against the Reds, the Cardinals won five to four. The Cardinals won two to nothing, and then the Cardinals won. Five to two. How do you do? How about that? Swept the Reds and put them at the bottom of the pile. That's always nice to see. Banging up on a helpless, hapless rival within your division. That's always nice. Nah, I shouldn't say that about the Reds. But, you know, I'm not a fan of the Reds. Never have been, never will be. Now we go to these last couple of games against the Phillies. The Cardinals lost that really close one, and I'm really sad by that one because Adam Wainwright really pitched an amazing game that game went the distance but the Cardinals still lost two to one against the Phillies on Monday that was a tough one to see for Adam but then Carlos comes out today and has a great game or yesterday I should say yesterday and has a great game the Cardinals win five to two that's awesome that's great what I really want to point out with the Cardinals is their up and they're down and there's there doesn't seem to be this kind of like happy middle ground with the ability to score runs their offensive production it seems like you're getting 10 runs one game and then you know six runs the next game and then you're getting nothing and then one and two and then 10 runs it just seems like it's either feast or famine with the uh with the team i would like to see four to seven runs regularly per game. That's what I would like to see instead of these bursts of 10 and 12 runs. It would be a lot nicer to be able to see that. Now we could go in and we could break down each individual player and what they're doing, but it's still really early in the season. Like I've said before, I only take it a third at a time. And that's really kind of where we're at with that. Now let's look forward a little bit into the next set of games that the Cardinals have coming up. Let's finish out the series with the Phillies. They've got these next two games that are going to be today and tomorrow tentatively, um, barring the weather situation today. But then here's the real important one, this next three-game stand against the Pirates on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It is critical, critical that the Cardinals either sweep or pick up two out of three against the Pirates. If they drop... Two of the games, or if they get swept going against the Pirates, that puts you in a real bad situation in the Central. You have to pick up those games against your rivals. You have to pick up those games in the Central. Uh, I can understand, you know, the Phillies or the Nationals or what have you, but 
you got to pick up those games against your rivals in your division. You have to. That's the most critically important thing that you got to do. You play them a majority of your schedule. So there's that. We've got that kind of out of the way. We've got that kind of discussed, and that's really kind of where we're at. We can go into other things. Because last week we talked about cheating in baseball. And specifically, we were talking about pitching. Um, and the idea that pitchers are using potential substances on their fingers in order to get a better grip or a better slip out of, from their pitches. Now, this is nothing new. This has been going on for as long as there's been baseball. They've spit and snotted on the balls. We talked about all that. Now, the next set of things that we're going to talk about in this cheating kind of thing that we've got going on to what we're talking about and we're going to go ahead and kind of continue that is now we're going to kind of move on to cheating in hitting and, and what they do and we talked about it a little bit last week but cheating and hitting as to where what they will do in order to get an advantage while they're in the batter's box instead of fundamental play to where you'll if you're in a slump which any good batter will tell you don't ever let a pitcher or anybody else tell you that you're in a slump. It just doesn't exist. Don't tell them that. Don't let them know. Don't let them know that you're in a slump. Don't ever think that you're in a slump. Because the one way to control a slump, if you're a batter, choke up on the bat. Choke down on the bat. Move up in the box. Move back in the box. Move closer to the plate. Move further away from the plate. You know, if if they're throwing you away, move closer to the plate. If they're jamming you, back away. Back, back, back away from the plate. Step back in the box. If they're, if they're, if the curveball's getting in on you, they're getting over on you. Move up. It's that simple. It ain't hard. It's the fundamentals of baseball. It, it's not that. It's not that difficult because you know what pitches that are getting past you as a hitter. You know what pitches are getting over on you or getting under on you. And if you make it just as difficult for the pitcher, the pitcher is going to naturally go to his go-to pitch, whatever that is. If that's a a four seam fastball. If that's a, a you know a two seamer. Uh, if that's going to be uh, something like a, a curveball, or if that's going to be you know something like a slider, or you know a, a, a knuckler of some kind, a palm ball, or a change up, or what have you. You know you're going to have those different pitches that those pitchers are going to go to because they are naturally inclined to want to go to that pitch because they feel more comfortable with it. They, it's it's all psychological, so you have to psych the other guy out. And if you know that that's what you're struggling at, work on that. Get better at it. It just seems like these guys psych, psych themselves out. But as we all know, it's all about the home run. Home run is sexy. Home run gets you paid. And as a baseball player, it's business, just like it is everything else. You want to smack them dangers. You want to round them bases. I was listening to the great Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN, and he was specifically saying this with Michelle Smallman this morning on Carricker and Smallman. And the one thing he was stating was specifically, and I quote, I miss the, the kind of the small ball era that, that there's more fundamental presence in baseball. That it was more important for them to, for him, 
for them to run the bases and to play really great defense and to hit the ball to the gaps and and be able to, you know, just that psychological kind of back and forth play where it's really like a fourth level chess type of game where it really takes you to use your brain instead of just going out there and just swinging as hard as you can and hoping that you hit it. You know, you back in the day in the and we're talking, you know, a long time ago for most of us back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, even into the 60s. You saw guys with 300 plus batting averages, even 400 batting averages, you know, like Ted Williams in some cases, uh, and other players that had amazing batting averages. They were getting on base because they were hitting the ball and they were getting on base. They weren't hitting just massive amounts of home runs. They weren't hitting, you know, 40, 50 home runs a season. But what they were doing was they were playing fundamental baseball and they were playing within the the confines of what they were capable of doing in the era that they were playing in. The biggest thing that I see and consistently see is guys going out and wanting to just smash a home run for no apparent reason. Now, there is an apparent reason. To me, the fan, if I'm just a generic kind of vanilla fan, I'm like, oh, yay, home run. That's awesome. But to be able to play in in the kind of thing, you know, the kind of the idea that we're trying to get at here is to play within yourself and play within the field and be able to beat that pitcher and beat that defense psychologically to say there's nothing you can do to keep us off the bases. We're going to get on base. We're going to steal bases. We're going to play fundamental baseball. We're going to play amazing defense. We're not going to let anything through. we got a great pitcher on the mound. That's kind of the where a lot of us old school fans, and I, don't get me wrong, I love the home run. I'm an 80s, 80s kid, so I get it. You know, I grew up in the steroid era. But it's just one of those things where I would like to see a little bit of that fluxed back into the game. To where you see guys that are that are hitting 50 home runs a year, but they have a 249 batting average. Yeah, they've got a great OPS or a great OBP or whatever, but they're just not. It's just not the same anymore as what it used to be. And I would like to see a little bit more of that come back. I'd like to see some more base running. I'd like to see more stealing. I'd like to see more things of that nature. Because the idea now in the mentality is, and if you guys watch the movie Moneyball, there's a scene in Moneyball where Brad Pitt's character of Billy Bean tells one of his other players, one of the characters in the show, one of the real-life players, and says, I pay you to get on base. I don't pay you to get thrown out at second. So that's really kind of where they're coming at with base running skills, not getting thrown out, that they don't want to take that risk. It's different because now you get on base and you got a guy behind you that hits 450 foot dingers. You know, he's smashing the cover off the ball. They want you on base because that home runs an automatic two run. If you walk, you get on base, that guy behind you come up, he's a slugger. It's gone. Okay. Good for them. So, but we'll talk about the cheating in the hitting part now, because the big cheating with the hitting thing is what we saw with the Astros. Okay, we all know the story. I don't think I have to go back and rehash any of that. 
but to where they were watching a live stream uh, that they were in another area banging on trash cans and then they would kind of reverberate that to another area and that would be the tell like oh it's a fastball you know two hits to the trash can whatever the case was I don't I didn't look that deep into what it was but they were communicating via sound or some other form in order to let the batter that was either that was in the batter's box at the time to let them know and understand, hey, this is what's coming. Fastball's coming. Curveball's coming. Something off speed, whatever. Because, you know, they were watching the signs. The catcher throw the signs down, and so they would let them know. Uh, that stuff's been going on for as long as I can know. Guys have always been sneaking a peek. There's a video that came out uh, from John Boy, if you guys follow him, uh, over on YouTube. And he's got his own podcast, but he had done a short video of Fernando Tatis Jr. sneaking a peek. While he was batting, you know, he's in his batter stance and he just goes. Now, it was too late. The catcher had already flashed a sign. And there's some people that would sit there and go, oh, you're just nitpicking. You know, you're 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 picking and choosing what you want to uh, what you want to discuss. No, there's other things. To where I've seen with the Cardinals that they have done the stuff. That really raises eyebrows. Uh, one thing I saw over in the comment section here real quick, my buddy Jason, he popped in over there and he said uh, that it was Giambi's brother, J Jeremy, Jason Giambi's brother, Jeremy. And yeah, that's the, that might have been who it was. I pay you to get on base and not get thrown out at second. And so <clears throat> that might have been who he was talking to. I can't remember. I, I remember certain scenes of that movie. It's one of my favorite movies, you know, up there with Major League and a few others. But, uh, yeah, it's it's always a fun thing to watch. I just remember that one scene where he comes in uh, after they lost a real tough game and they're in there dancing and playing and having fun and doing all this other stuff. And he comes in there and he just busts up the radio and says, you know, this is what you do when you lose. You dance, you play, you have fun. And then everything got quiet. He said, that's what losing sounds like. That And that's. That's the way you should take it. As a professional, you and there's no professional out there that really cares about what it is that they do that would that would do something like that. That's an extraordinarily immature and unprofessional person that would act like that in a clubhouse or in a locker room of any sort at any level. It doesn't matter if you're at Little League. It doesn't matter if you're in the minors or in the majors. There's no professional that's going to act like that. If they're doing that, that they don't need to be in. They don't need to be playing. Uh, Jason always. Uh, Jason had said also as well. Mark Rober made an app that tracks signs that you could steal. His YouTube video shows it off. So yeah, that's another one. You go over, out, go over and check out Mark Rober um, because he does. He did make an app that tracks the signs that you could steal, and it's it it's shocking that that we've gotten to this point now to where we've developed so much as a society and. Just all of the the electronic ways of being a digital ways, we should say now, because it's not electronic anymore, but the digital ways of using cameras and slow motion and all these things that we could do now to change the, the, the fundamentals of the game. The counter argument to that is going to be the individuals that say, well, don't be a crybaby about it. Everybody does it, and that's just the way that it is. And then you got the purists, right? 
the fundamentalist who says, we shouldn't have to change the way that we do this, and we shouldn't have to change baseball. It should stay the same, and we should just keep keep doing what we're doing, and nothing should ever change. They're both wrong. Cheating is cheating is cheating is cheating is cheating is cheating. It doesn't matter. That's my hot take. You want to disagree with me? I don't give a crap. Cheating is cheating. If you're a cheater, you're a cheater. You should never cheat. Period. We teach our kids never to cheat. We're always told never to cheat. You should never cheat. Period. End of discussion. I don't care. You don't like it? Tough nookie. That's, that is my honest to God feeling about it. I've never cheated nothing in my life. I've worked hard and busted my hump to get to where I'm at and do the things that I've done. Never cheated one time. Never. Always took the hard way because I would never be able to live with myself if I didn't take the hard way, if I didn't take the long path, the difficult path to get there. I wouldn't be able to wake up in the morning and look myself in the mirror and know that I cheated because I had to get there. That's, to me, it's more about the fact that I could look at myself and say, I was honest with myself and I was honest with what I did. There's a lot of players out there that are like that in the major leagues, in professional sports, football, baseball, doesn't matter. They're all out there. And that's awesome. That's great. I love to see those people out there in the world that are doing that and that are living by a moral standard. That's great. But... But there's no excuse for legitimate cheating at any level for anything. And that's the way it should be. So let's let's talk about some other things that kind of come around with the cheating stuff in baseball. And we already know with the, with the hitting stuff, we know what the Astros did and things of that nature. Um, the one thing that I want to touch on the hitting stuff is like what we had discussed again earlier was changing baseball in order for that to not happen. There should be a way that a pitcher and a catcher can communicate with one another without having to throw down signs or throw down a sign for a fastball, throw down a sign for a curveball outside or inside. Or, or, or to flash a series of signs to say, you know, this is what we're going to do in this situation. You know, we're going to have a pitch out. Everybody's different. They all, they all have different signs. They all have different ways of doing it. There's got to be another way for pitchers and catchers to communicate with one another besides making hand gestures and doing that stuff. Now, like I said before, cheating shouldn't exist and it shouldn't be there but there are nasty bad people out there and they will do anything to win and they will do anything to be on top and there's nothing you can do to stop it outside of major league baseball doing something and stepping in and actually doing what they're supposed to do and suspending these people and banning these people except for what they did with Houston which they gave the players a pass and they went after Hinch and the manager <coughs> Lou now which gets into a whole other topic of discussion of cheating with the Cardinals thing where Lunau was with the Cardinals and he went to the Astros and one of the office personnel with the Cardinals hacked into the Astros scouting system and got a lot of their information. 
because Luno didn't, or Lunao, however you want to pronounce it, didn't change a lot of the passwords that he was using prior to. And he thought, well, let's just see if that's... Let's make something very clear. The Cardinals in no way, shape, or form as an organization were tied to that cheating, that they directly knew what this individual was doing. And I can't remember his name now. It shows how important that the guy is. But there was no direct tie. You could argue with me if you want to, of hearsay and this and that. Well, I was told to. There was no direct evidence. They investigated it. They did what they did. Yes, they punished the Cardinals for allowing it to happen. But there was no direct evidence that pointed to the organization in itself knew that that was going on. The same thing with the Houston Astros. There was no direct evidence that pointed to the fact that the organization knew unequivocally that that cheating was going on or that the organization was pushing that. We're talking owner directly to the you know the president of baseball operations maybe even the gm potentially maybe even the coach but i'm telling you right now the coach knew it was going on hinch yeah he knew it was going on for sure there, there ain't no question you're telling me he didn't know he, he knew and it, it goes back to the same thing with the pitching that we were talking about last week and we we're talking about how pitchers came to houston and all of a sudden revitalized their careers like garrett cole went from a eh to superstar getting $324 million from the Yankees. The same thing with Verlander. You know, Verlander was always really good, but he was kind of starting on his decline. And then all of a sudden he revitalized and had a resurgence. And we played that video last week of the accusations that came from, let's call him the ball doctor, you know, the guru. He was the guy that would make up these substances for pitchers to use in order to get better grip and slip. <clears throat> My apologies uh, for that cough. But that's what they, that's who they went to was this guru guy. And now he's turning basically state's evidence. And uh, he's basically naming all of these pitchers and people who have come to him uh, in the past. And Adam Wainwright was also one of those pitchers that was named along with uh, pitchers like Verlander and Cole. And there's a, a list of them. I believe Marcus Stroman was one of them that was also uh, labeled in that accusation. I can't say that for sure because that's that's a really tough thing to be, to be labeled in. So that's going to kind of wrap up the cheating in baseball thing because we all know that there's there's always some kind of fundamental level of cheating whether it be as a pitcher whether it be in the batter's box um whether it be some other form of cheating as players talking to other players and telling them things and maybe players taking information from one organization over to another organization once they're traded. There's all these different things that happen. It shouldn't, but it does. So that kind of covers that. Now, the one thing that we're going to talk about now is uh, something that I want to discuss a little bit because we have it coming up this weekend, and that's the NFL draft. Because there is there has been so many changes right now uh, in the NFL draft and what is going on. 
Uh, it's it's really really shocking. So we're gonna kind of go into that, and we're gonna talk about that here real quick. And with this one, we don't really have any kind of uh, sound to go with that. But we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna roll with it. Okay. So now we we're talking about the new mock drafts that have come out here in the last 24-ish hours, um, there's been some real surprising ones. Real surprising ones that I was kind of shocked that they came out the way that they did. But we're going to go ahead we're going to talk about some of these mock drafts. Chris Sims had one that came out that was really surprising. I was really shocked by it. Um, so this one here is from... Um, Let's see. We have one from Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Uh, this is the NFL Nation reporters um, from uh, ESPN. And this is their prediction on how the draft. And we're just going to do like the, let's see, where, where do they have this at? They have the, looks like the entire first round. So we'll just go ahead. We'll run through the first round and we'll talk about that here real quick. We'll kind of go over and discuss it. We might even go back over to Mel Kuyper uh, and check his stuff out. Number one, no joke, Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. It's That's it. He's a once-in-a-generation type of player. Um, he's going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's going to be their quarterback, period. Number two, they're saying that Zach Wilson is going to go to the New York Jets. That, that kind of somewhat surprises me, but it doesn't because I really think that Zach Wilson is the number two quarterback, potentially. <clears throat> My part, pardon me. In the draft, um... The New York Jets obviously need a quarterback now. They're going after the best quarterback, and I think that's potentially going to be Zach Wilson. This one that kind of surprises me is the Mac Jones to San Francisco 49ers. I think this is a Kyle Shanahan pick. Um, I think this is who he wants. Um, really accurate passer, Mac Jones. You know, it's he's a good thrower. It remains to be seen what he's going to end up being in the NFL. But it really kind of comes down between him and Trey Lance there at San Francisco at number three. That's going to be a, a interesting one to see. Uh, number four, Atlanta Falcons. They're saying Kyle Pitts, the best tight end to come out of the draft in several years, probably the most talented player in the draft the, this year going number four to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, it's possible that they trade down because I've heard a litany of rumors, a multitude of rumors, that the Atlanta Falcons are now hearing trades from other teams. And the one team that I consistently hear that's getting brought up, that's having this conversations with the Atlanta Falcons is the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots need a quarterback. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Let's go back up to the San Francisco 49ers for a second. San Francisco 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo. I've been told by multiple sources and have heard through multiple other sources that the San Francisco 49ers are looking to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo this weekend. If the San Francisco 49ers are looking to do that, do not be surprised if Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots 
end up standing pat and not moving draft capital in order to go get their quarterback via trade. And that might happen in some other way, shape, facet, or form. But do not be surprised because Garoppolo was really Belichick's heir apparent. Tom Brady had had Garoppolo ran out of New England. It wasn't Belichick. Remember, Belichick gave him away for a bag of chips. He didn't care because he was trying to prove a point. Brady wanted what he wanted, and he got what he wanted. Now, New England got one more Super Bowl, I believe, out of the deal. But now Brady's down in Tampa, winning Super Bowls left and right, and he's probably going to be playing quarterback till he's 52. But the Atlanta Falcons at number four, that is the pick to watch. They are now hearing from other teams for a potential trade to move up because you're either going to have Trey Lance available at number four or Mac Jones available at number four. I think Zach Wilson is essentially a lock at number two. I think the San Francisco 49ers were upset because I think they really wanted Zach Wilson. They thought that they could get him at number three. They tried to trade with the New York Jets from the way I understood it at number two, but the Jets weren't biting. They had Zach Wilson on the brain from the very beginning from the way I understand it. But I'm concerned about Zach Wilson's size. He's a smaller guy, but that being said, Russell Wilson's a smaller guy too, and he's had a lot of success too as well. That remains to be seen. But there is going to be a top-flight quarterback available at number four. Who is going to take that quarterback remains to be seen. I think Atlanta is shopping their options. If Atlanta picks at number four, they probably take Kyle Pitts, more than likely. If another team moves up to number four, they're taking a quarterback. They will not take Pitts. That means Pitts will fall. Cincinnati Bengals need a wide receiver. The Cincinnati Bengals also need offensive line protection. This is where I disagree with their draft analysis because at number five, they have the Bengals taking Jamar Chase, which is probably probably the best receiver. Now, the idea is they're going to reunite Jamar Chase with Burrow. But I'm telling you, they need to protect Burrow. Burrow has already had knee surgery he needs to have a solid offensive tackle to protect him, and that's Penae Sewell. There's no other question in my mind. I think they've got it way off on this case. I could be wrong, but I think they've got it way off. I think it's Penae Sewell instead of Jamar Chase, but that's what they said because we're going through their mock draft. Miami Dolphins at number six say Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. It's pronounced two different ways but Devontae Smith out of Alabama. I don't disagree with that, but it's going to kind of depend on who's available at the time whenever the Dolphins go to pick. Are they going to get Smith or are they going to get Chase? They're not getting a quarterback, I don't think. That's not really necessarily going to happen. Oh, and we left other we left one other quarterback completely off the table, which is a surprising one who continues to drop in the draft which is odd to me, is Justin Fields. I just don't – I think there's too many people that are stretching to try to make something look because they're a fan of a team or make something look a certain way. But they have Devontae Smith going to the Dolphins at 6, uh, Penesul going to the Lions at 7, 
Caleb Farley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech, going to the Panthers at eight. Trey Lance, a quarterback, going to the Broncos at nine because they are not sold on Drew Locke out there in Denver. Ten Dallas Cowboys are going to go J.C. Horn, a cornerback, which it doesn't really surprise me, and especially knowing Jerry Jones' history, that doesn't surprise me. Number 11, New York Giants, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver out of Alabama. 12, Philadelphia Eagles from Miami through San Francisco uh, is the pick uh, from that trade. Patrick Sertain, the second quarterback, Alabama. The Los Angeles Chargers, for now. Uh, Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle. 14, Minnesota Vikings, Christian Derisaw. Offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. 15, New England Patriots, Justin Fields. This a surprising one. We'll, we'll go back to these here in a second. 16, Arizona Cardinals, my team, the Arizona Cardinals, Greg Newsom, the second cornerback, Northwestern. 17, Las Vegas Raiders, Micah Parsons, linebacker. Miami Dolphins at 18, Aziz Ajuri. Aljuari? I could, I, I, I'm probably butchering that. Outside linebacker, Georgia. Uh, 19, the Washington football team, Jeremiah Awuzu, Koromoa. That is a mouthful there. But good player, linebacker, Notre Dame, going to the Washington football team in 19. So they say the Bears at 20, Tivan Jenkins, offensive tackle, Indianapolis Colts, Quiddy Pay, defensive end. They could really use a good defensive end. Titans at 22, Elijah Moore, wide receiver. The Jets at 22, Elijah Vera Tucker, guard, USC. Pittsburgh Steelers, Najee Harris, running back. Jacksonville Jaguars again with their second pick in the first round. Christian Barrymore, defensive tackle. Um, Jalen Phillips, defensive end for the Browns. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at 27, Trayvon Morig, New Orleans Saints. You guys get the hint. And so we go we go all the way down here to the bottom of the last pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Joe Tryon, outside linebacker. We could go on and on and on and on. I'm not going to bore you guys with the details. So here's the thing. I don't agree with this at all. And and I'm I'm more kind of in kin to um Mel Kiper Jr., his mock draft and what's kind of going on with that and how he's got his set up. But they're all a little bit different. They all have a different approach or a different perspective of what they think that the draft is going to end up being. I do not see Justin Fields going that low to the to the New England Patriots. I just don't see it. I don't feel that that's really the case. I think he goes a lot higher. I think he's a lot more talented than that. Um, there's probably a multitude of reasons the why they feel that way or something. Because you also have to remember, there's all these NFL teams that are out there that are fighting with one another. Right? And they're fighting with one another on whether or not who to pick or, or, or who they want. They know who they want, and they're going out there and they're trying to sabotage that person's draft stock to try to get them to drop to their number. Whether that be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or whomever, Trey Lance. Those teams are going to go out there and they're going to say, oh, he's a bust or he's no good. 
or he's he's too small or whatever the case is. That's really the that's to me that's really the thing that I I would look at and I would go okay hey listen let's let's be real about this let's be real and let's really kind of look at this thing from a standpoint of seriousness here I don't being the case I I see Trey Lance potentially going to the Atlanta Falcons at four unless they unless they trade out. Um, you, you go, you get the best player because they could draft him and then they could trade him too. We've seen that happen with the uh, San Diego Chargers at the time whenever they went out and they got Eli Manning. They eventually just turned around and traded him to the Giants. The Bengals, they have to get Panay Sewell. The, there's just no question. They have to have protection for Joe Cool, Joe Burrow over there. I really see Kyle Pitts going to the Dolphins at six. I mean, yeah, he's the most talented player in the draft right now, but I just he's he's I see him going to the Dolphins because the Bengals have to have protection for Burrow. The Falcons can trade back, um, and if not, they could take a quarterback for Matt Ryan, who's definitely on the back end of his career. We'll have to wait and see. You know, I mean, that pretty much essentially covers it because we have the draft coming up this week end, I should say. So you want to make sure that you tune in for all of that and see all the latest and greatest and see who's going to go where. Maybe I'm completely off base. Maybe I'm totally wrong. It's hard to say. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I know I'll be paying attention. Maybe we might do a, a quick little live stream of the first round and we'll watch it as it goes down and see what ends up happening with the 2021 NFL draft. Let's jump over to the comment section real quick before we close things out. <coughs> Pardon me. Going back to the cheating thing we were talking about earlier in the show about halfway through. Jason said that uh, he was a C student, got an A, and my mom beat me up uh, for cheating. Uh, that's kind of funny, especially whenever your mom knows you. She's like, oh, I know that you're you're a C student. It's always great because you like your parents always think that you could do better. But then they're like, oh, no, they usually don't do this. So what's going on here? What's happening? Um, Thurman, my man, uh, you mean the St. Louis Jaguars. Uh, yeah, I would like to say that I wouldn't want to call them the Jaguars, but yeah, I'd like to say the St. Louis team. That would be awesome. Um, Jason said that that would rock Boston. Uh, you know, Boston, Boston. Yeah, everybody wants him back. Uh, yeah, everyone wants him back there in Boston. That's for sure. Uh, watch New England. They will get their QB. Yeah, one way or another. And let's look at this from a standpoint of status. If they have to give up less to get Garoppolo, or if they have to give up money to get Garoppolo, that's where they go. You have a legitimate starting quarterback that you know that you can throw in. And Garoppolo. Versus you're not really necessarily sure what you're going to get out of Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or whomever's going to be there at that number four spot if you trade. You're going to have to give up a lot of capital. I don't think – I think that at one point in time there was a lot of conversation that was being had with the Falcons. I think that's slowed up big time. 
So we'll have to wait and see what ends up coming of that. Um, Thurman says that uh, when St. Louis gets a team, I'll care about the draft again. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see when that happens. <laughs> uh, if that happens anytime soon, that would be great. I would love it. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see. There's a lot of stuff still going on. So I don't. I still go back to the whole. Th- I don't want somebody else's rejects kind of thing. I don't want a team that's failed in a market or chose to fail in a market. A lot like the Rams did in St. Louis. Chose to fail in a market to try to go cash in on another one. That's where I kind of have issues with the whole teams relocating. It gives me kind of an icky feeling. And, you know, ever since 95, I know how thrilled we were in 95 when the Rams came to St. Louis from L.A. But it's the same old sorry story. Fail in a market. You know, it's a whole analogy of analogy of failing upwards, right? That's what I don't really care for. I would like to see St. Louis be rewarded for their patronage, for the fact that they've paid all of these years and have suffered and had to deal with two really bad football teams for a majority of their time in the St. Louis market, where the Cardinals were here for 28 years and the Rams were here for, what, 20, 21 years? 20 years, exactly. And they leave for greener pastures to make more money because they failed 15 out of the 20 years they were here. Same thing can be said with the Cardinals. The Cardinals were more loved because there was a lot more local players, a lot of former players still live here or live in the St. Louis market, I should say, in the St. Louis region. Or they come back on a regular basis. So we will have to wait and see what happens with that. I'd love to see expansion. I know that a lot of other fans and a lot of other people that are out there uh, would love to see expansion. So we've got a lot more to talk about on next week's show. Where we're kind of waiting for that stuff to develop. We'll be able to do a draft recap on next week's show, and we're going to go line by line. And we're going to recap the draft. That's going to be the Derrick King Sports Show draft recap, the 2021 draft recap on next week's show. We'll talk about a couple other things, but that's majority what next week's show is going to be. So I appreciate you guys tuning in with me once again to the Derrick King Sports Show on Gateway City Sports. Make sure that you go over to all of the social media pages. You add them, you like them. You make sure you turn your notifications on. Make sure you go to the YouTube page, Derek King Sports Show, over on YouTube. You add that. You subscribe because that's there, too. I should have said that at the beginning of the show. I am always remember this stuff right at the end, right at the tail end and the back end of the show. I should remember that. Say that at the beginning of the show. Don't say it at the end of the show, you dummy. Say it at the beginning instead of the end. That would make more sense. But... Irregardless, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys and gals. Appreciate y'all. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. We're going to come back next week. Like I said, draft recap. We're going to cover it all. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate you kindly. And we will be back on the Derek King Sports Show next week. See you soon. This is Gateway City Sports. 
This is the Derek King Sports Show. Cardinals, Blues, Mizzou Athletics, Chiefs. He has it covered. The Derek King Sports Show. Only on Gateway City Sports.